The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour in the seas, so may my life be to all those who share this wilderness road. You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Satan. Glory to you, Lord Christ. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has come in to be the guest of a man who is in a, who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our strength and you are our redeemer. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. I invite you to be seated. One of the joys... I say that with a a hesitation of being a parent, is that you have the opportunity to share your favorite stories with your children. And I say it with hesitation because it's really exciting to share your favorite stories with your kids. And they're not always as excited as you are (laughs) to experience the stories that formed you and shaped you as a young person. Sometimes they may be books. Sometimes they may be uh, music that you listened to when you were younger. It may be uh, a television program or maybe a movie. I had uh, the opportunity to share one of my favorite films with my kids uh, about a month and a half ago. And they smiled very politely (laughs) through all of the hilarious parts. It's just because they didn't understand the humor. I'm sure that's what it was. But one of the movies that we have shared with them is, uh, is a, it's an older movie that is called Clue. Has everybody seen the, the, the old movie Clue? 
you know, it gets played on repeat on, you know, Comedy Central when I was growing up, and you could, you could watch it. One of the interesting things in that movie is that when it was released in the theater, every theater, there, there were three endings that were recorded. And every theater got one of those three endings, but not all three of them. So you had to go to different theaters hoping, you know, by, by word of mouth, you would figure out who got, you know, who got each of the different endings so you could go to, to see those. And it wasn't until it was later released on, on VHS, uh, kids, that's a giant box that sits under your television and you put a giant box inside of it and a movie plays. Uh, and you have to rewind it or they charge you when you take it back to the rental place. It was only when they put it on VHS that they finally included all of the endings. And so for each of those endings, they say it could have been, or this could have happened, or what really happened. And they have these little, these little, you know, intro screens to each of those possible endings. And it's fascinating in stories how you can take one detail that you may have overlooked along the way, and if you change it just slightly, it changes the entire way that the story occurs to you. And I love movies that do that. I love movies where there's a plot twist at the end and, and, and suddenly you see the movie in a way that you never did before. And, and sometimes so much so that you have to go back and watch the movie over again because you realize that there must have been clues along the way and sure enough they're there but you didn't notice them the first time through. We can probably, I'm, I'm not going to share any of those spoilers in the you know, you don't want to come to church and have the, the preacher you know, spoil uh, a, a movie for you. So we're not going to cover those, but but those are those are some of my favorite kinds of stories where there's some kind of a twist and it, it encourages you to sort of lean in and pay attention to these little details because you know that all along the way, most of the time, all along the way, the actors knew what was happening. And so they would, they would implant some of these details into the story that they're telling. And it's fascinating to watch the way that tiny little changes in the story can drastically alter the way that we perceive what is happening. And it's important for us to keep that in mind, especially when we are encountering stories in Scripture, especially when they're stories about Jesus or about the life of Jesus, because for many of us, we grew up with these stories, and we've heard them, and, and, and we've heard them so many times that we miss out on some of the key details that happen in the story. And sometimes it can be something as simple as just picking up a different translation and reading from it and letting a different translator simply speak those words to us. And we can encounter completely new aspects of the story that we never did before. The gospel lesson today is the story of Zacchaeus, which, if you grew up in church, immediately conjures a nursery rhyme in your head. Because he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. But I want to suggest, and I think that Luke suggests, and I think that the Greek supports me in this, that the story contains, maybe intentionally, some ambiguities. I think that there are different ways of reading this text, and I think that those different ways of reading and hearing the story of Zacchaeus will not only drastically change for us the way that we experience that story, but they might invite us into a new appreciation of that story. One of the first times that that happened for me was when I, I read a, a, a book called The Prodigal God, and it was a, a revisiting of the story of the prodigal son. And the author in this book is, uh, is Tim Keller, and he, he unpacks this story and in ways that just completely 
changed not only my experience of the story of the prodigal son, but they allowed me to see myself in that story in a way that I never did before. Because when I came to faith, I didn't come to faith through a, through a dramatic conversion. I was raised in a Christian home by Christians. I was, I was raised in a church and surrounded by people who, who cared about me and who invested themselves in my life. And so I grew up in that kind of environment. And so when I read a story like The Prodigal Son or I read a story like Zacchaeus, it's hard for me to imagine myself in the place of the, the, the younger son and the prodigal son. It's difficult for me to imagine myself. Now, obviously, I can say, yes, I am, I am sinful and I am saved and I belong to God only because of the grace that I have received from Jesus Christ. But it still is difficult for me to place myself into the shoes of somebody who has lived their entire life apart from the, the, the worship of God and somebody who encounters Jesus in an incredible way and their whole life is transformed. But I want to suggest to us today that if we pay attention to some of the nuances in this story, that it might invite all of us from all of our backgrounds and all of the places where we find ourselves this morning into a new experience of who Jesus is and into a new experience of what God's grace looks like. Because when we read this story, we can absolutely read this and hear that Jesus, we remember that Jesus at this point is on his way to Jerusalem. So this is the very end of Luke's gospel. We know what's waiting for Jesus. But as Jesus is heading toward Jerusalem, probably the last day or so of his travels, he goes through the city of Jericho. And on his way through the city of Jericho, there is a tax collector, this little tax collector. And we have spent time over the last several weeks talking about tax collectors. These are not good guys. In any of the stories in Jesus's world, these are not the good guys. These are people who use their wealth to abuse and take advantage of their neighbors. They, they step in and they, they purchase the debt of a local community from the Roman government, and then they are given authority to collect on that debt from everybody who lives inside that, that particular geographical area. And they're allowed to do it in essentially whatever means necessary. And there's nobody from the Roman government that's going to come along and check their books afterwards. And so in Jesus' world, tax collectors are awful people. When they tell stories about them, they are awful people. That's always the way that this happens. And so as Jesus is going through Jericho, this tax collector sees that Jesus is coming, hears that Jesus is on his way, and he goes out to see him, but he can't see what's happening. So what does he do? He climbs up into a tree. He climbs up into a sycamore tree, and he watches, and that's where Jesus sees him. That's where he comes face to face with Jesus. But Jesus doesn't look at him and say, repent. That's John the Baptist's job. We're going to talk about him in a few weeks. But Jesus doesn't look at him and say, repent. Jesus looks at him and says, Zacchaeus, get out of the tree. I'm coming to your house tonight. In this whole town, Jesus chooses the home of Zacchaeus, who's notorious. And we know that he's notorious because that's exactly the next thing that Luke tells us, is that everyone in the room, I mean, everybody on the street, everybody in the neighborhood is shocked that Jesus would go into this person's house and eat his food and spend time with him. 
Why wouldn't he go to the, to, to, to the homes of people that he knew? He certainly knew people in that area. Why wouldn't he go into the homes of, of some of the people who were leaders in the local faith community? He could have done that, but he doesn't. Jesus picks Zacchaeus and goes into his house. And something happens in Zacchaeus' heart that day. He encounters God face-to-face in the person of Jesus Christ. And that encounter transforms him. He meets God's love face-to-face. And what does he do? He stands up in the middle of dinner and turns to Jesus and he says, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And then Jesus says to him, Salvation today has come to this house. Today, salvation has come to this house. He encounters Jesus. Jesus, who doesn't look at him as somebody who is an outsider. Jesus, who doesn't look at him as somebody who he should heap scorn on. Instead, Jesus goes into his home and sits down at his table, and it changes his heart. Sitting down at the table with Jesus changes us. It transforms us. That's why it's so important that we are here together every single week gathered around the Lord's table. Because sitting at the table with Jesus changes us. It not only changes the way that we see God, but it changes the way that we see ourselves. It changes the way that we see our neighbors. It changes the way that we see the whole world around us by simply sitting down together around the table with our Savior. And Jesus says that today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's a powerful story. We can be set free. And it happens by coming face to face with Jesus. But I said at the beginning that there are some ambiguities in the way that Luke writes this story. And so I want us to hear this story again, and I want us to listen very closely to the words that Luke chooses to use when he tells the story. He says that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. So Jesus wasn't planning on stopping in Jericho. Jesus was passing through Jericho. And behold, there was a man, Zacchaeus, who was the chief tax collector and was rich. A chief tax collector is different than a tax collector. A chief tax collector, in order to to purchase the debts of, of his community and the communities around him, had to prove to the the Roman government that he could afford to pay the debts for two solid years out of pocket. He had to be able to cover all of the debts for whatever area out of pocket for two years. And then what he would do is that he would hire out those debts to other communities, and those people would pay him, and they would be tax collectors in smaller communities, but a chief tax collector was over an entire region. He had so much money that he could cover 
the expenses of an entire area for two years. All of the tax burden for an entire region for two years. And he had lots of people who worked for him, and their job was to make sure that debts were paid. And it's very possible that he had little to no face-to-face -face contact with any of those people. He had people that worked for him, and they had people that worked for them. And so we might read this story, and knowing what we know about tax collectors, we might assume that he's crooked as the day is long. But all that Luke tells us in this story is that he's a chief tax collector, and he's very wealthy. That's it. That's all of the information that Luke gives to us. Everything else that you and I bring to this story are assumptions that we make about who Zacchaeus is and what Zacchaeus is like. Now, it says that he climbs up a tree for he... For Jesus was about to pass by. As Jesus was about to pass by, he climbed up in a tree to see him. He says that on account of the crowd, he could not. It doesn't say that he was short. It just says that there was a crowd and he couldn't see Jesus, so he climbed up in a tree nearby. That's all that it says. Again, there are lots of assumptions that we make along the way about who this person is and what this person is like. And yet that's not what Luke tells us. Those are just things that we bring to the story ourselves, reading between the lines as we do. It simply says that he was seeking out Jesus. He heard a crowd coming. He wanted to know what was going on. He couldn't see what was happening, and so he climbed up into a tree. And as he climbed up into a tree, Jesus stopped and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Jesus sees this person and recognizes him and says, I'm coming to your house today. He stops this journey that he's making so that he can go into Zacchaeus's house. And this made the people who were around him very angry. Luke tells us that when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. Now, we might hear that and say, Behold, Lord, now because you are here, I give away half of my goods to the poor. But that's not what it says in the Greek. Zacchaeus simply says, Behold, Lord, I give away half of my goods to the poor. And then he goes on to say, And... If I have defrauded anyone anything, I restore it fourfold. He does not say in the Greek, I will restore it fourfold. He says, I restore it fourfold. If anyone is cheated by me, I restore it fourfold. The, the law of Moses only requires that it be restored twofold. If someone is cheated out of money, the person who cheated them is required in, in Israel's law to give back twice what, what, what they stole. But he says, if I have defrauded anyone... I give it back to them fourfold. And Jesus says today, salvation has come to your house. He doesn't say, because you said that, Zacchaeus, you will be saved. When I read this story, I bring all of these assumptions about who Zacchaeus is. And, I try, and you know what? All of those assumptions might be true. He could be a rich man who is wicked as the day is long. And he might have seen Jesus and been 
absolutely, completely transformed by that encounter. But you know what else? It could be that he was doing his best with what he had in the place where he lived for the people who were around him. And in spite of that, people made assumptions about who he was. And they inferred things about his behavior. They decided what kind of person he was. And they said that he was such a terrible person that it was shocking that Jesus would stop in his home. Because here's the truth of it. We don't have tax collectors necessarily in our society. Our taxes don't work like this. They don't, they, they don't happen this way. This kind of, this, this way of doing taxes is called tax farming, and it doesn't exist in the world that we live in today. It does exist in places, but not, not here, not in our experience today. But there are absolutely people, faces, or kinds of people, types of people, who will very quickly leap into your mind right now that you would be deeply, deeply shocked if Jesus walked past you and went to dinner at their house. And those types of people probably look different for every single one of us sitting here. But we all have them. We all have places in our hearts that are reserved for scorn and derision for grumbling about quote unquote those people whoever they are people that we believe like the people in Jericho don't deserve God's mercy don't deserve God's salvation that Jesus walks into his home and after hearing him say this is the kind of person that I am Jesus says Salvation has come to your house today, for you are a child of Abraham. You belong to God's family. But Jesus doesn't say you belong to God's family because of what you do. He says that you are a child of Abraham. He says you belong to God's family because of who you are. Because the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. incredible the way that we can take one small thing and change it in a story and suddenly the story that we encounter is completely different because it could be that you are here this morning and you feel like that first Zacchaeus you feel like you have lived your life in a way that has just piled up hurt and brokenness You've lived your life in a way that you feel ashamed to have somebody like Jesus come into your home. And yet, the same Jesus who sits down at Zacchaeus' table calls out to you today and says, come to the table. To every single one of us, he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Receive who you are. Become who you receive. But it could be that your experience is not like that. That your experience is like the second Zacchaeus. That you have done everything that you know how to do, and that people all around you don't see it. 
Maybe they can't see it because you're one of those people. And so you've experienced discrimination and you've experienced exile. Maybe you're sitting here today and what you need to hear Jesus speak to your heart is this. Salvation has come to your house. Not to the next house, not to those other houses. It's come to your house. You belong to the Father. God sees you, and God knows you, and God comes to your house today. And it could be that you're here today, and that description of the people who lived in Jericho, all of the townsfolk in Jericho, places a load of conviction on your own heart. That maybe I do see those people and I think, oh, they're definitely beyond the grace of God. If Jesus showed up in Nicholasville, he certainly wouldn't go into their house and have dinner. He'd come to my house. But here's what I think. I think that every single one of us sitting here this morning has all three of those things that are true about us, right? Because I know that all three of those things are true about me. I've got lists of those people in my mind, and I can think of all of the ways that I don't feel like I'm worthy to have Jesus in my home, and I can think of all of the ways that I hear God speaking repentance and truth over me, and I long to live that kind of life and to be that kind of person. Every single one of us who is here today knows what it's like to be the first Zacchaeus or the second Zacchaeus or a townsperson in Jericho. We know what that's like because all of those are a part of us. That's why Luke left these things ambiguous, so that all of us, wherever we are today, can find ourselves in this story and can hear Jesus say to us, salvation comes to your house today because you are a child of Abraham. By faith, you belong to Christ, and by belonging to Christ, you belong to the Father, because Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost. The lost places in my heart where I feel like I am in exile from the Father, and the lost places in my heart where I feel like I am banished from the community that I live in, and the, the lostness in my heart where I feel like I just want to belong again, Jesus says to us, to every single one of us this morning, I have come to seek and to save the lost. And that here in this place we can find healing. And we can find repentance. And we can find wholeness. And we can find restoration. That here this morning in this place, Jesus is present with us. That Jesus is with us in his word and in his sacraments. God is present with us today, calling to us, calling to you, inviting us, inviting you to come to the table, to allow his grace to transform you, to see what God's love looks like as barely and plainly as it can be displayed. And to hear Jesus speak to your heart, I have come to seek 
and to save the lost. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment and join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Father is restored.